You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. How many of you know uh, this, this whole kingdom thing, like, like when one sinner turns to the Lord like there's a giant party in heaven, amen? And at the Upper Room, we don't talk a lot necessarily about like, hey, so-and-so, like from the stage, like this person gave their life to the Lord or this happened. And there's testimonies happening all the time in our midst. And I think we could grow uh, as a house in sharing those testimonies uh, because those things are meant to, to fuel your faith, amen? They're meant to encourage you. Like the, like Tyler, we, we were singing the, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, not just our testimony, but what God's doing in our midst should bring you joy. Um, and so we were having a, we have a Bible study every Thursday. It's, uh, it's small. It's not fancy. There's about 10 of us, 12 of us there in Oak Cliff. And uh, Alzavian brought a buddy from, uh, from his gym, the guy that works at the gym. He just said, hey, come on. And the guy had kind of known of the Lord. And, and I, I didn't know this guy from Adam. I didn't know he was coming. And uh, we were, you know, doing our little chapter study. I just love Bible study, amen, because uh, Bible study is God's study, uh, and it's how, we, it's how we behold Jesus and, and, and commune with him, and it's, it's an act of worship, really, to gather. Like, we're going to continue to worship here in John 15. It's just different, amen? And so we were doing that. All we were doing, we were just reading the text and talking, and, and everyone was just kind of sharing their hearts, and all of a sudden, this guy... He, um, I want you to pick like picture like small group, like house and he's sitting there and he just gets a little bit like visibly uncomfortable. He goes, can I say something? And I was like, please. And, uh, he said, my heart has been pounding ever since I got in here. And he said, I don't know what's happening to me. He goes, I just feel like all of you have something I don't have and I want it. And, and we were like, oh, this is about to get fun. <laughs> and so, like, no one addressed him. No one, no one singled him out and prophesied over him. No one, we were literally conversating around a chapter in the scripture. And we were talking about Jesus. We're talking about some of the stuff we'll talk about tonight. And the presence of God just fell on this guy. And he starts trembling. We get up. I said, hey, well, can we pray for you? Can we lay hands on you? He said, Absolutely. And so we said, okay, so we gathered around him and we laid hands and the power of God hits this guy. I'm talking about Acts moment, like when Peter, Paul and Silas are singing and the jailer's like, what, sirs, what must, what must we do to be saved? Like it was that kind of moment. We pray the power of God, he's bawling his eyes out. He's shaking. He gets up out of his chair after we pray over him. It was about five minutes and he's rubbing himself like this. And he goes, is this normal? exactly how it happened. He's rubbing his, he goes, is this normal? We go, is what normal? He goes, I'm tingling all over my body. And, and he goes, do you guys feel this way all the time? <laughs> do you feel this way all the time? That was his question. <laughs> and I said, well, no, but sometimes we do. And, uh, and he texted Alzavian later that day and he said, bro, thank you so much for the invite. He said, I didn't know Jesus, Jesus was alive before today. Come on. That's the appropriate response. Um, so I love Jesus. He's so amazing. And so we've got another brother uh, because of that moment in the word. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to talk tonight. I felt like I went for a run today, and I felt like the Lord said tonight he wanted to turn water into wine. 
And um, I, yeah, it's amazing. And so I, that can have a lot of meanings to a lot of people. You know, in John chapter 2, it's biblical. Uh, Jesus, his first miracle was he turned uh, water, H2O, into wine. And uh, it was amazing because he did it in a moment, and it was the best wine. Um, and so I, I can share a little bit more prophetically what I think that means tonight. But the way I interpreted it is that he was going to take the, 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 the ordinary, mundane things that you're in, and he was going to, in a moment, in his goodness, convert it and bring joy into your heart. Because wine brings joy. Amen? Like true wine from heaven brings joy. Um, and and I, I feel in my heart that there is a fresh uh, invitation and deposit for you specifically tonight for joy. Joy is a really big deal in the kingdom. It's a fruit of the spirit. Joy is not some uh, emotion. It is a fruit from God. It is an emotion. You feel joy. You express joy. Like when that kid uh, had that encounter with God, we didn't know what to do. There was no pads. There was no music. There was no worship. We just stopped and we just said, I feel like we're supposed to just praise God. And so we literally, for I don't know, a couple minutes, we just started shouting and dancing around the living room. That's awesome. No one was beating a drum. We were celebrating and worshiping. Joy hit our hearts. Why? Because this guy came home. He encountered Jesus. And, and I am a firm believer that, that one of the fundamental fruits of a born-again believer's life is joy. It's like, it's your inheritance. And we go, I, I, I know for me, I have gone long seasons without joy because I didn't value it like God values it. I thought that was extra. I thought joy was sort of like, oh, that's just if things are going well, or that's circumstantial. Joy has nothing to do with your circumstances. Joy has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. Joy has nothing to do with your relationships. Joy has, it, 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 it'll, it'll infect your relationships. It'll bless your relationships, but joy is not some ethereal, elusive thing that when the stars align, God gives you a token called joy and says, all right, you can enjoy it for a little bit, then give it back because I don't want you to be, you know, let's not be out of hand. And I'm not, I'm not saying this because I, I, I want to uh, elicit some response in the room. I believe that, that God's joy is meant to be your strength. I believe God intended you to have joy in your heart. And many of you, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says, give wine to those who are perishing. Have you, you ever read that? Give wine to those who are perishing. Meaning there's, there's, a, there's a value in wine to the heart that's perishing, to the heart that's struggling, to the heart that's depressed and anxious. Wine will actually cheer it up. Now, now here, there's like a, it's like a weird wisdom thing from old. But in the new covenant, we know that the wine of the spirit will bring gladness to your heart. Amen? And so, so these, these words we're going to read in John 15, I want to just draw your attention to verse uh, 11. We're going to go to the end and then, and then work, work back. Look at John 15, verse 11. Jesus says, these things, we're going to look at those things tonight, I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So, so this is so cool about Jesus. He gives him a little, like a little mini sermon and he's like, hey guys, let me, let me help you interpret this passage. He says, let me help you interpret this. If you read this and joy doesn't hit your heart, you didn't read it right. Are you, no, you're not hearing me. 
he, he's giving them, he's saying, he, he's giving you the filter. He's helping you know, did you understand it? Did you, when you read that or when you hear him say those things, did you get the intended response for why he said them? How many of you know Jesus like actually wanted fruit to happen when he said certain things? He wasn't just, you know, they're not just up for interpretation. He had real specific purpose in these 10 verses that he said. He goes, hey, I actually said these things to you so that my joy, how many of you know Psalm 45, Jesus was anointed with joy above all his companions. Seriousness is not a fruit of the spirit. You don't honor God by being more serious than the next person. Jesus was joyful. He had joy in his heart. It says that he was anointed with joy more than everybody. Like he walked around and he was joyful. He had joy in his heart. Why? Because of his relationship with his father, because of so many things, because he is joy. Amen? And so, and so Jesus says, hey, guys, I said these things to you so that my joy, which, by the way, is is super anointed above everybody, could be inside of you and that your joy could be full. So I want to give you permission tonight to receive the joy of the Lord because it's your strength. Now, it's God's joy. Hear that. It's God's joy. You don't have to manufacture joy. Oh, man. I wish I had somebody with me. Maybe we'll get there, Lord. Let's pray. Put your hand on your heart. Father, I know that most of these people are made of water. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you turned all their water into wine. Do it, Lord. Do it. That every fear, every depression, every demonic stronghold, every worry, every weight, every burden. Lord, let it crumble underneath your joy tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, we're gonna start in verse one uh, and we're gonna walk through this. Um, and just to give you a little, just to frame this a little bit, um, we're, um, I, I am a firm believer that we are in a reformation in the body of Christ. Um, we have been under transactional Christianity for a long time. What I mean by that is that uh, we believe that, that, that God the Father and God the Son did a little transaction, and if you acknowledge that, he flips you a token called forgiveness and eternal life, and you take that token and you walk around because the Father and the Son transacted, and you get a blessing from that, and so you walk around and you're blessed because of that, and you just do your best on earth. And, and what that's done is that's produced um, people that have uh, sort of a sense of having been forgiven from sins, but they don't actually walk in intimacy or covenant with Jesus and with the Father. And, and I believe what God is doing is he's, he's, he's the reformation is we're, we're actually being uh, adopted into his house where, where our Christian walk in our life becomes something that's more uh, first nature than it is second nature. You hear what, I, what I'm saying? When I say first nature, meaning being a Christian becomes normal, being uh, a sort of prone to wander becomes abnormal. And I'm going to show you that here. Jesus uh, is speaking, and he says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may 
bear more fruit. Okay, stop right here. So Jesus is giving us some, some, some entities here. He says, okay, uh, I'm going to introduce this parable to you. I'm the vine. Now, and he's, and he's talking about a grapevine, I'm guessing. And so here he is. He goes, I'm the vine, and my father's the vine dresser. So right now, in this first, this first verse, you don't, you're not there, right? You have a vine, and you have a vine dresser. Now, what's cool about this is that, that in the very name of the vine and the vine dresser, we understand what the purpose of the vine and the vine dresser is. So he's saying the father is actually identifying as the vine dresser. Now, how many of you know a vine dresser takes care of the vine? Who, who's responsible for the vine? Where does the onus of responsibility rest in bringing fruit out of the vine? Are we sure? 100%. Does the vine have any responsibility in terms of producing fruit? Responsibility. Can it do anything good or bad? Like, can it do anything if, it's, if it is a vine? It, it just is, right? And so it works because God designed it that way. Amen. So you've got this vine that, that has a, a, a design that's meant to, to nourish a branch, to bear fruit. But then you have this other entity that Jesus is introducing. He goes, hey, my dad is actually the vine dresser. He's the one responsible for the vine. I want you to just think about that for a second before we insert ourselves into this story. You have the father who's got a vine and he goes, that's my vine. You got to think about this for a minute. You got to go slow with me. You got a father and you have a vine and the dad goes, that's my vine. He says, it's my vine. Oh, that's my vine. Whose vine is it? The father, amen? It's his vine. He's the possessor of the vine. It's his vine. He's, he's responsible for that vine. His attention is on the vine because he's the vine dresser. Jesus is describing the father as the vine dresser, meaning he's the one who dresses the vine. He's the one concerned about the vine. He's the one that thinks about the vine. He's the one that makes sure that that, that, that which he created it for has the right environment and the right, the, 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 yeah, the right environment that it can actually grow and produce fruit. Amen? That's awesome. You'll get more courage when I insert you into this story. Some of you are looking at me funny like, yeah, we get it. It's his vine. Some of you are about to get delivered tonight. I'm telling you. There is so much joy. You have no idea. You're just going to get whacked with it. And if you get whacked with it, just get whacked with it. I'm telling you. As Peter was talking, the Holy Spirit fell on him, and that's cool. Amen. <laughs> Acts 10. Did y'all catch that? It's okay. If, he's just, if he comes on you, just let him come on you. Let him do the work in your heart, okay? Amen? Because there's real work that he's going to do in your heart tonight. So look at this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Who's he? Okay, just making sure you guys are listening. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Who's he? Okay, so now you got two branches. You got one branch that's in the vine and he's sitting there and no fruit's coming off. No fruit's coming off the vine and the, and the vine dresser's looking at it and he's like, nope, no fruit. Clips it. 
And he looks at another fruit, like branch coming off the vine, and he looks at it, he goes, oh, look, there's fruit. And so he clips the sucker, the sucker vine. If you know anything about gardening, he, he clips the one so that the, the nourishment doesn't go to that one. It just goes all into the fruit. So you got this big, awesome fruit. So you've got the father, he's looking at the vine and he's looking, he's inspecting the branches and he's like, man, that's a good branch. I need to prune that thing. Oh, that branch, that's not bearing anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that away, okay? So just, just stay here. Now Jesus just takes a hard right turn. Verse three, he just like, er, hard right. And look what he says. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So this is really weird. He's talking about vines and branches. No one, there's no mention of his disciples or us in this story. And all of a sudden he's like, he's like, yeah, there's a vine, there's a branch, and you're clean. Jesus is wild. You're clean. What? You're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I don't have time to go into what I believe that word. It's, I believe in John 13, he washed their feet and he's like, I'm, you're clean because of this. There's the word that he spoke to them and Jesus was the word. And we know that in the new covenant that Jesus is the word, amen? And his life makes us clean. So let's keep reading. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. So now you're in the story. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Watch this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, it should hit your heart now. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Listen, we, we live in a day where I believe humanism has crept into the church. Big time. Humanism has crept into the church, meaning I am at the center of my spiritual progress. It's about me and myself and I. It's about how much, like, like human, humanistic Christianity is about how big my pursuit of God is. And my, my depth of relational intimacy is connected to the bigness of my pursuit of God and how much discipline I have in the word and in prayer. That's the depth of my connection. That's how you know humanism has crept into the church. If, if you fall into that, I want to encourage you. Apart from him, you can do nothing. And we live in a day where people want to celebrate me, myself, and I, and the power of you, and the power of, 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 of what I can do all by my own self. And my God, the one who I follow, he walked around, he goes, hey, um, guys, uh, the son can do nothing by himself. My God, listen, my God, our God, from his own mouth said, I can't do anything by myself. That was God saying that. I'm about to flip this too. <laughs> Our God said, I can't do anything by myself. If that does not fry your circuit board, you didn't hear it. Our God said, I literally can do nothing. I am so bound in relational intimacy to my dad I'm so in covenant. I'm so submitted to his design, which is relationship. 
God's design is relationship. Jesus is like, I'm so submitted, I literally cannot bear fruit unless it comes from the Father. And then he just comes in, you know, 10 chapters later, and he's like, oh, and by the way, um, if you're going to be in this thing, it's the same with you. You actually can't do anything apart from me. <laughs> that should liberate you. You can do nothing apart from Jesus. You can bear no fruit. <laughs> nothing. See, some of you, that freaks you out. Your flesh is panicking. Because you're still waiting to get delivered. You'll get plenty of chances tonight, I promise. When you receive the freedom of that, and when you understand what Jesus is inviting you into, it will blow your mind. Being a Christian will become the greatest joy and delight, and no one can steal your joy from you. I'm telling you. If you're burnt out, if you're tired, if you're not, wait, here, listen, I, I want to help you out here. I want to connect the dots, because I'm, I'm, I've got a zeal in my heart, and I'm not playing anyone who knows me. I'm not pretending. This is real. I, like, we, cultural Christianity, like, days are up. Like, time is up, and she's not bothering me, so if she's bothering you, that's fine. I got five of them, so this, she's precious. Listen, it, cultural Christianity is done. Like, I, we're going to pick a fight with that thing. Like, it's got to go. It's got to go. Like, we got to, like, the true bride of Christ has got to stand up and go, <clears throat> by the way, this is what he looks like. That's not arrogant. That's not bold. That's our inheritance. If you've been born of God, the world should know. You should look like him. Don't, don't, you can't have it both ways. Uh, I'm just only human and I'm a Christian. Nope. Nope. You're either born of God or you're born of your mom and dad. You can't have it both ways. Oh, I just stepped on some toes. All right. Listen, I'm just telling you, if you're not, and, and this, was, this was the point I was trying to make, if you're waking up and there is a sense of like, if, you're, if your Christian walk is a, is, a, is a grind and it's a plow, I'm not saying life's not hard. My, we have five kids, we've been married 12 years, life is hard. I am not pretending to say we don't go through financial things and relationship things and kids things and like real challenges, like real loss and real difficult things. But my Christian walk is not hard. Oh my gosh. The Christian walk is not hard. If I'm in faith, it's my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If I'm in my flesh, oh, it's hard. Because <laughs> the Spirit's flow into my life does not, does not determine on my pursuit of God. It all rests upon who he is, my vine. All right, let's keep going. Where are we? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You should just shout. I mean, that, that should freak you out. I still don't think you got it, but we'll get it at the end. Verse six, verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's awesome. Verse eight, watch this. By this... My father, my daddy is glorified. Stop. Raise your hand if you want to glorify your father in heaven. How many of you woke up this morning and you're like, I want to glorify God? Like if, if you knew at the end of your life you glorified God, you'd be happy. All right, check it out. Set you up. Here's how you glorify the father, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. 
hear what he's saying. He says, hey guys, listen, I've actually created an environment in which you can remain in me that who I am and the source of who I am is going to flow into you and that, that your life will bear fruit because of this design that me and my father have come up with. It's amazing. I'll, I'll show it to you in a second. I've created this environment, this way in which all you have to do is abide. Like, hey, Peter, what do I do? Abide. And you'll bear much fruit. And in bearing fruit, you're going to glorify your Father in heaven, and you're actually going to prove. You're going you're gonna, to, wisdom is justified by her children or by her fruit. You're going to prove that you're a disciple of Jesus because you're abiding in the vine, and this fruit's popping off of your life, and it's like it's God fruit. And people are looking at you, and they're like, what is going on? How is that coming off of your life? And what you're doing is you're proving that you belong to God because you're just, and you're like, well, what, what does that life look like? I want to do, how many of you, you want to prove that you belong to God? Every hand should go up. That's your inheritance. Jesus like, hey, by the way, I want you to prove to the world around you that you've been born of me. And here's how, abide. Do you know how I interpret abide? I like to put it in the, in the New Peter translation. It just means stay where he put you. Stay where he puts you. And here's why we don't abide. I'll pull this out from verse three. Many of us don't abide. We don't know how to abide. We don't know how to stay. And I'm gonna, he's gonna interpret abide here in a minute, but I wanna do this now. The reason we don't stay where he put us because we don't think we're clean. Cleanness precedes abiding. Verse three precedes verse four. You're clean because of the word I've spoken to you, abide in me. If you don't know, hear me, if you don't know that you are as clean as the son of God himself, you'll never abide. You can't abide because your conscience will tell you that you have to do something to get clean and the doing something keeps you from abiding. You can't try to clean yourself and abide at the same time. You can either let his word, his blood, his life clean you and go, wow, thanks, I'm clean because of the word you've spoken. Listen, we all would do what Peter said. No, 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 you're not washing my feet. We, we still do it with the cross. No, 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 I'm not gonna let you clean me. Nope, I can't let you make me as clean as you. I can't. We can't bear up under that. We think we have this false humility like Peter did. And this is, listen to what Jesus said to Peter. He says, hey, hey that's cute. I, he's like, your zeal's awesome. He's like, but by the way, if I don't wash you, you have no share in me, meaning you can't abide in me. If you don't let Jesus wash you in his blood and make you as clean and as pure as he is, you cannot abide in him. You have no share in him. And then your whole Christian life is about how clean you can get to present yourself to the Father and go, hey, Dad, look. Look at look what I did. I, I, I did all the things that I thought were going to bear fruit. And the reason why many of you are tired, the reason why many of you are, are, are weary, the reason why many of you are burnt out, and that we talk about burnt out in Christianity, is because we haven't received his word which cleans us, and we don't know how to abide. We don't understand God's design. God's design is the new covenant. The new covenant is God's greenhouse for growing Christians. I'm going to say that again. The new covenant 
is God's greenhouse for growing Christians. God grows Christians. He grows them. Everything God created, this is what the father asked me one time. He said, son, what have I created tries to be what I created it to be? It messed me up. I started thinking, he goes, he goes, what about the oak tree? He goes, does it try to be what I created it to be? No. What about a tiger? Does a tiger, does a tiger wake up? Think of, just go with me for a second. This is how the father gave it to me. So I'm gonna give it to you the same way. He just walked me through the animals and the plants. He said, son, when a tiger's laying there, I'm picturing a tiger in India maybe. And I said, does, does he wake up and think to himself, I gotta try to be a tiger today? <laughs> Y'all are laughing. Well, be gentle. It's about to turn real quick. I did the same thing. I laughed, and then it was like, yeah, he gets you, you know. You got to repent. He said this. He said, he said, son, he said, Christians are the only one of my creation that tries to be what I created them to be. He said, son, you prove you don't trust my design when you try to be what I created you to be. You prove, you, you, you prove by your own actions that you don't trust in my covenant and what my son has done, that you don't have understanding and that you have not fully received what I've done, that you've, you've sort of received a token blessing, but you've not entered into covenant. Now, let me say this, spiritual disciplines in covenant and in the house are awesome. They're wonderful. They, they, they serve your faith. But spiritual disciplines to try to strengthen your covenant or to get into relationship or like to rely upon your spiritual disciplines or your willpower to overcome sin or to gain intimacy with God will leave you tired and worn out. And you will only be as close to God as you are strong. And that's not the gospel. I'll say that again. If you're relying upon your spiritual disciplines or your pursuit of God or your serving God for your relational depth of intimacy and overcoming sin, you will only be as close to God as you are strong. But that's not the new covenant. Jesus is the new covenant. He's the vine. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the foundation. He's the rock. He's the walls. He's the roof. He's the wings. He's all of it. He is literally the house. He's the heir inside of the house because he's praying for you within the new covenant. Oh, you didn't catch that. Jesus is like, you're in the house. You get born into the house and Jesus is praying and you, his, his prayers is the literal air you breathe to grow up in the house of God. That was deep. That was deep. All right, stay with me. So, so God is glorified when we bear much fruit and prove to be his disciples. Now Jesus is gonna connect some dots for us. Verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Whoa. Abide in my love. Watch this. Look what he says. How much, as the Father has loved me. Take you out of the equation for a second. Once more, this is awesome. I love when Jesus does this. He just, he puts them out of the equation and he draws attention to his relationship with his dad. He says, hey, as the Father has loved me. Pause. How does the Father love Jesus? God is love, right? So we have the perfection of love, and we have his son. Just stay with me. What do you think that love looks like? 
Is there anything hindering that love? Like it is the fullness of love because nothing in Jesus is hindering the love of the Father and the Father has perfect love because he is love. This is the wildest picture he's trying to paint and we just read right by it and we're like, oh yeah, that's cool. And we, and we miss everything Jesus is trying to say because we don't stop and actually ponder how does the Father love his own son? Because this, this right here, the love of the Father towards the Son is what your spiritual growth hinges upon. It is, the, it is the spiritual tidal wave or momentum for you to bear fruit in God. It rests, Jesus is giving you the, hinge, the, the foundation. The love of the Father towards the Son is the foundation of your spiritual growth. That is crazy. So how does the father love the son? Just help me. Like, like, did he, do you think he smiled over the son? Do you think Jesus lived under like his smile? Do you think the father was stoic with the son? Like, like just ponder it for a second. Like, how did the father show the son that he loved him when Jesus walked the earth? Just ponder their relationship for a second. When Jesus would tuck away to pray, like, do you think he was like, I gotta go up the mountain again? Have my quiet time. These people are wearing me out. <laughs> He's walking up the mountain and, and his dad, who is perfect love, is just waiting to just like lavish him. And he's just going up and he's like, man, this is the highlight of my day. And he's just receiving. He's just, Jesus is literally receiving in the Father. Jesus said in John 5, he goes, I actually can do nothing. I, I don't see the Father doing, and I can say nothing that he's not saying. I like to think that those little morning quiet times, he's like, Dad, what are we doing today? He's like, hey, there's going to be a leper. He's coming. I'm healing him. You're healing him? Yeah, I'm healing him. Okay, great. That's awesome. Jesus wasn't stoic or numb. Matthew 8, when the leper came and the guy's flesh is shriveled up, he wasn't like stoic and like, I will be clean, you know, and like not moved. It brought Jesus joy to see disease break off of people and his, with his dad like on earth to see sin broken off and addiction and demons cast out. Jesus is like, yeah, you know, like he's fired up. Like, like the, he, the reason the son of God uh, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Like, like he loved loving people because he was so loved by his daddy. He was like, man, dad, they were made for love. And this, this leprosy makes him think that you don't love him. This addiction, this, this demonic stronghold, they actually think you don't love them. That was like his motivation. He had so much compassion. Why? Because he was so loved by his daddy. And this is where we come in the picture. He says, the exact same way my dad's loved me, I've loved you. Now we stumble over that. Well, you don't know what I've done, is what we say. Well, surely he can't love me the same way because Jesus was perfect and really what we're saying is, God, I don't trust your authority. I don't submit to your authority to love me while I was a sinner. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love that while we were sinners, he died for us. So if, if you don't want to receive the perfect love of God, just say what you're saying. God, I don't actually believe that what you say is true. And I don't, I don't receive, I don't want to come underneath the authority of your cross, which was your proclamation once and for all that you loved sinful man and you saw past it and you gave us value even when we didn't see our own value. That's really hard. 
because for years we were trained to think that humility is actually putting ourselves down and going, well, he can't possibly love me. No, 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 no. I'm about to show you in one second that the very foundation of your Christian life hinges on how much, you lo- how much love you receive from the Father. You actually cannot bear fruit apart from the inflow of God's love into your heart. As the Father has loved, I'm not making this up. This is just, I'm just reading what Jesus said. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Watch this. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Here's this commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Oh my goodness. Do you see the, the, the chain flow? The Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves us, and we love one another. And he says, in doing that, you're gonna, you're gonna fulfill the cycle of love because, because God loving me and me, me loving God, here's God's intent, is not that he loves me and I'm only gonna give him love back. He says, actually, greater love has no one than this. There's a horizontal expression of love where you lay down your life for your friends, and so there you complete the cycle of love. Are, are you, oh, I, I know I just covered a lot. Are you okay? All right, I want to show you one more thing, and then we're, I'm going to pray for you, okay? Yeah, we got time. Well, we're, we're wrapping up. Look in uh, John chapter 16, verse 20. John, John 16, verse 20. Jesus is telling his guys that he's about to go and he's about to leave, which we know he's about to be crucified and raised again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. Again, he's referencing his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, stay with me. This is, this is really awesome. You will be sorrowful when I die, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Look at this parable. Verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. All the ladies that have kids say, It's real. <laughs> one time Christy was like super pregnant. I forget which one it was. And she was like, babe, I'm nervous about having this baby. And I said, I don't understand that. But the good news is, no matter what, it's still coming. <laughs> You're nervous or not, it's coming. <laughs> so I don't know. It wasn't very sensitive, but like it's just... <laughs> As all I could think of was like, you're literally pregnant. Like there's only one way out. Like it's, it's, there is real sorrow. They get all, it's like one of the stages of birth. I can't do it. Like, yes, you can. You've done it four times. Doesn't matter. They still say they can't do it. Now watch. Now watch, her hours come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Oh my goodness, what in the world is this random parable doing when he's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection? 
He's not just giving some side principle. He's saying, hey, FYI, humanity was distorted by the fall of man. I am actually right now, my hour has come as the son of man, the second Adam. I am in anguish. I am in sorrow. I am in labor. And when I get crucified and when I come forth, watch this, verse 21, he says, he was when a woman... Uh, for joy, 22, so also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Listen, here's what he's saying. He goes, guys, when I see you again, you're gonna be born again. Oh my gosh. He says, hey, when I see you again, you're gonna be born again and no one can take your joy from you because you'll actually be what I created you for. You're gonna be brand new. You're gonna be, no one can take your joy. The, The grounds of your joy is the fact that you've been born of God, brand new, like you've come forth from God, John 1, born not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but born of God. Do you know what that means? It is in your first nature just to abide in God, to rest in him to delight yourself in him, to rejoice in him. You wake up in the morning and you're clean. It doesn't mean that your behavior is perfect. It means that you're actually, faith looks like you allow his blood and his bigness to be big enough for your weakness and your infirmity, your iniquity. Amen? And I feel tonight there's an invitation for joy, like, like, a, like restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Restore unto me that, that joy, like where you wake up and you feel born again. Like where you don't, like if you're born again, you don't have to try. If you're a Christian, stop trying to be a Christian.